Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, May 9th, 2021, we continue our series titled Uncommon Joy, the Book of Philippians. Today's sermon, Taking Out the Trash, will be taught to us by Pastor Thomas Slager out of Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Enjoy. We are in Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11 this morning. Last week, we talked about how God builds his church, Uh, and we saw that Jesus is the builder of the church, but the primary means by which he builds his church is through people, people like us. So we saw that God sent Jesus to set up the church. He appointed apostles to continue building the church, and then those apostles started um, this whole discipleship process of pouring into the 3.0, the 4.0, the 5.0, to the 300 or 400 or 5.0 church that exists today. This morning, we're gonna build upon that because in the building project of God's church, we see there's distractions, there's destructions, and there's certainly deceptions. If you've been a part of a building project of your own, you've seen all three of those things at play in some regards. So in the building of our faith individually and the building of God's church corporately, there's some things we need to pay attention to. So with that in mind, Philippians chapter three, Verses 1 through 11, I'm going to read it, and then I'll pray. If you don't have a Bible, I'd encourage you to grab a Bible um, from somewhere around you or hop on your your phone, grab a Bible app, and follow along that way. If you don't own a Bible, uh, steal one, take it, read it, believe it, do what it says, and I promise it will change your life. Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11 says this. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them even as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray once more and ask for God's help as we apply his word to our life. God, though it's my voice that's been heard this morning, we recognize it's your word that's been spoken, and this morning it's your word that we trust as the authority for our life. God, more than just your word, it's you that we trust. God, we trust you in every situation, in every circumstance that we're facing this morning. God, we bring that before you. God, we say everything is yours, our good things, our bad things, the things we promote out in public and the things we hide in private, all of it is yours this morning. God, would you take it and do what you will so we can truly know the surpassing worth of knowing your son, Jesus Christ. God, would everything be done for your glory and your glory alone this morning? And all God's people said, 
Amen. I like to do this thing in my life sometimes where I look back over the last week, last month, last year, last lifetime, and just look at stuff that I'm proud of. Kind of my achievements, my accomplishments, my accolades, and this is probably an unhealthy thing to do, so I figured we might do it together this morning. Um, A few things that I'm proud of in my own life, uh, this is one of them, this is my master's degree, and I know to some of you, you'd be like, big deal, get on my level, right? That's, that's, you're not, okay. Well, then thank you. If you're going to clap, I mean, thank you. I really, really <laughs> appreciate that. Um, this is a big deal to me. And, I, and you might come from a very highly educated family where this is just, it's kind of what you do. Um, my parents never went to college. Uh, so for us to go to college was a big deal. I was the first person in my entire family to get an advanced degree. So that was like a really, really big deal. I was like, okay, yeah, like that's pretty sweet. We, we were married. We had some kids along the way. I was working a few jobs. I like guess was really difficult. So I was kind of proud of myself. Um, another thing I'm proud proud of is just my family. Like I'm, you clap for this one, but you're not clapping for that one. But this is the one, this is probably the one that's more worthy of, of some, this is like my pride and joy, right? And moms, this is probably something you're proud of, right? If you're, uh, what's that passage? There's no greater joy to see my children are walking in the Lord or raise a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they will not depart from it. So some of your kids now are like living trophies to you to see like, man, that's amazing. That's like all my hard work paying off and, and they're walking with the Lord and, and that's a really, really fantastic thing. I'm just so proud of my kids. Like just this morning, I got to see them on screen leading the church and worship. I'm so proud of them. I'm proud of my wife and how she raises. I'm just really proud of my family. It's, an, it's amazing. Um, this one's more vain, but for some reason it's still important to me. Uh, this is just a dumbbell. Um, <laughs> I like working out, and for whatever reason, I pay attention to like if I'm getting stronger or healthier. I like setting PRs or PBs, personal personal records. Thank you. <laughs> personal best. Someone's out there like CrossFit for life. Like you drank the Kool Aid. Uh, I drank the Kool Aid and bought the shirt. Trust me. So I am fully invested in this thing. And, and maybe for you, this is like health. You you look at where you were at one point in your life, and you look now, and you're just really proud of how far, uh, how far you've come. And none, none of these things in and of themselves are bad, but what we're going to see in our passage this morning uh, is, is how this compares to knowing Jesus. Like, is this really all there is, the stuff we fill our table with, the stuff we're proud of, our achievements, our accomplishments? Um, is this what life is all about, or is life meant to be all about something else? So whatever you would put on your table this morning, I'm sure at some point you're going to be a bit frustrated because um, God is going to challenge us to do kind of a ridiculous thing. There's three points in our outline this morning as we evaluate what to do with some of the best things in our life. The first point we see the Apostle Paul give us is a caution to the fellowship. A caution to the fellowship, speaking of the church Christians who lived in Philippi. He says, finally, my brothers, we're only halfway through the book, so it's kind of weird that he says finally here. This really isn't him landing the plane. This is more of a, hey, also, this is really important, so listen to this part, too. Like, finally, and then he's going to say finally, actually, a couple more times over the course of our book study here. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. This is what our big theme of Philippians has been, right? Joy, uncommon joy, rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. In other words, this is good for you to hear, and I don't mind saying it again, so I'm going to keep on saying it. And we're going to see Paul share something that's really important. 
to this church. A few things I want to point out in this passage this morning. Um, Lots of repetition going on. So this is where he gets into his caution to the fellowship. He says this phrase, look out, three different times. And when Paul says look out, he doesn't just mean look out like, hey, you should pay attention to this. Uh, When I speak to my kids, I have different tones of voice that I use. Um, Sometimes because I'm a selfish sinner. And other times because I really need to get their attention. Right, story time, I have like a story time voice with my kids where we tell stories. I also have a parking lot voice. My parking lot voice does not sound like, oh, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. My parking lot voice is, hey, look out! You've seen Happy Gilmore when he gets hit by the VW bug and she says like, Happy, look out! That's the parking lot voice. And this is what Paul is using here. Paul is using his parking lot voice. He's like, guys, you've got to get this. Seriously pay attention. I need you to catch what's happening here. He says, look out for the dogs. And again, these are some things we need to pay attention to as God builds his church and as God also builds our personal life and our faith in our own life. He says, look out for the dogs. When we think of dogs, sometimes you think like, oh, that's adorable and that's cute. And that's not what he wants us to think of here. The Bible does not speak very highly of dogs. It talks about dogs returning to their own vomit. It talks about dogs licking the sores of sick, infected people. It talks about how dogs are not worthy of holy things. So they're unclean and they're disgusting. And as he's talking about these three categories, uh, think of these as three descriptions for one group of people. He's not talking about three groups of people. He's talking about one group of people. Probably this group we know is the Judaizers. The Judaizers, they taught, in order for you to come to faith in Jesus Christ, there was a laundry list of things you had to do first, and the laundry list of things were all like things the Jews did since the Old Testament times. This was maintain the rites, maintain the rituals, do all the right things, keep the Sabbath, do all ten commandments. Circumcision was a huge deal to them, um, and we'll talk about that momentarily here, uh, because it's kind of a weird thing to just say in public, is to mention circumcision in a room full of people, and some of you are probably like, are we fine that he's talking about this in a room full of people? Uh, Yeah, because that's a big deal to the Jews. In fact, if you rewind to Genesis chapter 17, God sets up this covenant, this promise with with this guy Abraham, and and Israel is really, it's the offspring of Abraham. It's Abraham's family. It's all of the Jews. It's the people of Israel. And he says, if you're going to accept this promise, there's something you have to do. There's a sign you have to take. And for whatever reason, the sign that God chose was circumcision. So this was a huge deal for this group of people, especially these Judaizers. So they said, if you're going to come to Jesus, you have to get circumcised first. Paul's got issue with this. In Galatians chapter one, these, um, these Judaizers had already infiltrated that church and started like sowing some seeds of false gospel and false doctrine. Uh, and Paul addressed that head on. Galatians chapter one, verses six through nine. He says this to this church. He says, I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you to the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And then he says this, not that there is one, Gospel means good news, right? That you're deserting this and going to a different good news. And he says, there is no other good news. There is no other good news. This is the good news. This is the gospel. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel. Distortion. Think of addition of subtraction. Any addition to the equation of the gospel or any subtraction from the equation of the gospel is a distortion of the gospel. And the gospel says this, Jesus... God's son, his perfect son, his life, his death, his resurrection, plus nothing at all equals everything. It's all about Jesus, Christ and Christ alone. So if you say, well, it's not so much about the perfect life of Jesus, that didn't matter, that's a distortion. You're subtracting from the equation. 
The equation has to stay Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So if it's Jesus plus circumcision, no, that's a distortion. Jesus plus, make sure you're in a small group, no, that's, that's not how you get saved. Jesus plus church attendance. Jesus plus tithe. Jesus plus any of these things which are good things that we should take part of and do. If there's any addition to that equation, it's a distortion of the gospel and it's no longer the gospel. And people are, they came into the church in Galatia and infiltrated the church and distorted the gospel. And God's building project built on who Jesus is and what Jesus did, it started suffering. So as we see God's building project in the church in Philippi happening, Paul says, look out. There's some people who really want to come in and mess things up. He says, look out for the dogs. Again, they're disgusting. And, and these Judaizers, they would have seen dogs as the epitome, like the perfect image of what's unclean. So he says, these guys think they're clean. And he says, look out for the unclean. Right back in the face. Look out for evildoers. They pride themselves on doing and abiding by the law. And he says, no, they just do evil. Pay attention to the evildoers. Look out to those, for those who mutilate the flesh. He's speaking of circumcision. And says for them, it's just an external thing. It has nothing to do with the internals. It's all about what's happening on the outside, not about what's going on on the inside. I'd encourage you this week, check out Romans chapter two. There's this thing where, where Paul talks about circumcision of the heart, how God needs to come in and like cut you deep where it really matters so you can come to saving faith in Jesus. That's what we need to pay attention to is our heart, trusting the person, the work of Jesus Christ, placing all of our faith in him and nothing, none of our faith in the things that we've done, only in what Christ has done. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Notice three things. Now he's gonna talk about the church. He says, for we are the circumcision. Now that's a weird thing to say to a church full of Gentile believers who are not circumcised. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. I know you came to church hoping that this is what we were talking about this morning, and you got exactly what you wished for. Uh, we are the circumcision. This is a weird thing to say to a group of people who aren't circumcised. So what's he saying? He says, we are the true family of Abraham, like we are God's people. We are God's children. Even though we haven't done all of the things that we're supposed to be doing, we are still God's children. And then he says there's three things that they do. The first thing they do, they worship by the Spirit of God. When you come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, God places the Holy Spirit inside of you so you can worship him. Just like Tim said today, with everything we say, with everything we do, everything we sing, we can worship God. And he says, two, we glory in Christ Jesus. In other words, if we're gonna boast... If we're gonna boast, we don't boast about us. We don't boast about the stuff on our table. If we're gonna boast, we boast, we glory in Jesus Christ. And he says in three, and we put no confidence in the flesh. We put no confidence in the things that we say. We put no confidence in the things that we do. We put all of our confidence in the person and work of Jesus Christ. This is what the church does. Everything comes back to Jesus. It's not about us anymore. It's not about boasting in life. It's not about putting confidence uh, in our achievements, our accolades, our advantages, any of the things. It's all about Jesus. But now Paul makes kind of a sarcastic transition and he says, but me, if you want to talk about confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I have confidence in the flesh. If anyone can be proud of what they've done in their life, Paul says, I am the guy that can be proud of everything that I've done. Verse four, he says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. 
And now he's gonna list seven things for us. The first four are just advantages, nothing he's done, just stuff that's been done for him. And the last three are his own personal achievements. I have more, circumcised on the eighth day. He was not involved in this. This is just his parents saying, this is what good Jewish people do, this is what we're gonna do. We're doing this for you. Of the people of Israel, in other words, he was just born, he had nothing to do with this. But he says, even so, pretty hot stuff. Of the tribe of Benjamin, not just any people of Israel, like of the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, You remember Jacob, whose name became Israel, he had the 12 tribes of Israel, he had 12 sons, his youngest son was Benjamin. And after Joseph left, because his brothers sold him off into slavery, because what a great brother, right? Uh, Benjamin became like his pride and joy. And through the tribe of Benjamin, Israel gets their first king, which is where we see King Saul. And if you're familiar with the life of the Apostle Paul, who writes this letter to the church in Philippi, his original name at birth was Saul, named after the king himself. So he's like, I come from a pretty great family. Okay, so I've, I can't, I, I've been a Jew as long as I can remember being a Jew, circumcised on the eighth day born to the right people, not just the right people, born into the right family. Hebrew of Hebrews, this talks about his upbringing. He went to the best Hebrew school there was. He studied under this guy named Gamaliel, who was like, he was the professor you wanted to go to school with. He was a pretty big deal. Those are his advantages, just stuff that's been done for him. He had nothing to do with it. He says, as to the law, a Pharisee, these were the guys who made sure they did all the right stuff all the time, not just kind of religious, like uber religious. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, you're not gonna find a more passionate uh, Pharisee than Paul. He's like, my, my passion level is through the roof. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. I've done it all. I've kept the laws, I've kept the codes, I've kept the rituals, and when I've done the wrong thing, I've always come back to it come back and, and made sure I did all of the, the right things to clean up my act again and, and everything else. And he says, if anyone has reason for confidence in the flesh, I mean, check out Paul's pedigree. You can't get better than that. His table is full. <laughs> full. All of the right things were done for him, and he's done all the right things for himself. So if anyone has reason to boast, it's Paul. I've done it all, I've kept it all, I've done all the right things. That's his confidence in the flesh. In verses seven through 11, we see Paul transition and now we're gonna see his confession of faith in Jesus. Paul's confession of faith in Jesus, he realized it's not about what's on the table. It's not about my achievements. It's not about the things I can boast about in my own life. It's not about the things I take confidence in. It's all about Jesus. Verse seven, he says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. Any of you good budgeters or like good accounting people? I'm not, but that's fine. Paul had it figured out. Uh, He's talking about gains and losses here. You have a gain column, you have a loss column. And Paul says, my gain column was chock full, like thing after thing after thing after thing. But I took all of those gains, these seven things plus everything, every other great thing that happened to him in his life, he took it from the gain, slid it over to the losses. Well, that's crazy. Why would anyone ever do such a thing? Whatever gain I had, I counted, and again, we're gonna see some some more accounting things um, going on here in this passage. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. 
Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss. And this is interesting. He says, I, I, I counted all my gains, but now he says, I also count everything. Like presently, past tense, I counted. When I came to Jesus, I counted everything I had to offer him as, as nothing. Nothing. I had nothing to bring to him. But he had everything to give to me. I counted, past tense, all of it as lost. But even presently in his life, indeed, I count, even right now, I count everything, not just the gains, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ and my Lord. Friends, please don't miss this. This is like the linchpin of the whole thing this morning. If you can have a table full of stuff or you can have Jesus, which one are you gonna choose? Because Paul says the stuff on my table was getting in the way of me truly knowing Christ. I counted all of the great things as loss. Indeed, I count everything as loss. Why? There's a reason. The surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. And now he cranks up the heat on this even a bit more. For his sake, again, all for Jesus, I have suffered the loss of all things. So not just the gain, not just the everything, but also all things. And notice how he says some of it wasn't like something I actually wanted to do, but it, it entailed some suffering, like some pain as God stripped those things out of my life. I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Now, um, I'm not gonna use the word here, but this word rubbish is actually like a first century expletive for the word poop. It's a curse word. There's a curse word in your Bible. And that's what he said. He's essentially saying all of this stuff, all of this stuff is rubbish. Essentially, rubbish is, I don't know if you've ever been to England, but they call trash rubbish for some reason or knowing it's kind of cute or whatever. Um, but this is what he says. All of the great things, the best things in my life, all of my accomplishments, all of, all of my achievements, the hard work that I've done of making sure I stay healthy and make those gains and all those things and, and, and getting rid of the disease in your life and all the stuff. This, really, it's not a bad thing in and of itself, but compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, if I can have this or I can have Jesus, I take Jesus. It's trash. The best things I have in my life, my pride and joy. Now, friends, I'm not recommending you go bury your family in a landfill. That's not what this means. <laughs> so don't be like, that was a little intense, wasn't it today? Well, it's, it's hyperbole. Okay, it's exaggeration for effect. And this is what he's saying. At Some of the things we treasure most in our life compared to knowing Jesus, our best treasures in this life are trash. The stuff that we work for, the things that we're like really proud of in our life and our family looks at them like, dude, great job. That's, that's kind of cool. This, this treasure of mine compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, it's trash. Again, and I'm not totally sure what's on your table, but Jesus says if it's standing in the way of knowing him, it's gotta go. And some of those things you might need to go bury in a landfill and get rid of it, cut it out of your life completely. Some of those things you're gonna need to reprioritize. If there's something in your life that's standing before Jesus that's keeping you from truly knowing him, 
from truly experiencing him in your life. And Paul says, for me, anything that stood in the way, it had to go. It had to go. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, trash. The end of verse 80 says, in order that I may gain Christ. If it's gotta go to the lost column so I can gain Jesus, I'm moving it to the lost column. If it's standing in the way of Jesus, it's gotta go and be found in him, and check this out, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Why? Because there is none. There is no righteousness of our own that comes from the law. There's no amount of good things we can do that make us righteous. Romans chapter three says no one is righteous. No, not even one. No one seeks God. No one does good. Romans chapter three, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Bible says uh, he became sin who knew no sin, so what? So we would have the righteousness of God. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but what? But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. This is what the gospel says. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I place my faith, I place my hope, I place my trust in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through 10 says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. By grace we've been saved through faith, not by works. This is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so no one can boast. Because that's our tendency, boast in self. But that's what Paul started off with. We're the people of God, we're the circumcision. We worship by the Spirit of God. We boast in Jesus and place no confidence in the flesh. This is what the gospel is. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So even any good thing that ends up on my table, any good achievement, any gift, any talent that I have, the Bible says, do you know why you have that? Because God set you up to have it. (laughs) your worldly successes, your job, like your 401k, your kids, all the good things that have happened, every good and perfect gift comes from who? From God. So we never take the gifts and and bring them above the giver. The giver is always first. He has to be the priority. None of the great things come before him. Verse 10, he says that I may know him. Again, this is what it's all about, not just knowing about Jesus. Some of you are here this morning, you know about Jesus, right? Mom drug you to church and you're like, this is the three times a year I'll come. I'll come for her on Christmas, I'll come for her on Easter, and I'll come for her on Mother's Day. And maybe you know about Jesus. Like mom and dad made sure you went to VBS. You even went to some youth camps. You know about him, you've heard about him. You know some Bible verses, but you don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him. You haven't placed your faith in him. You haven't placed your trust in him. Paul says, I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I'm willing to do whatever I have to to know Jesus. I'm willing to do whatever I have to in order to live with him forever. And here's the beautiful things, friends. Jesus doesn't say do something. 
That's not Jesus. Jesus doesn't say do. Jesus says done. That's the gospel. Jesus doesn't say, you want to get to me, you better behave. That's not the gospel. Jesus never said behave. Jesus said believe. It's not about doing. It's not about behaving. It's about trusting in what Christ has done and believing in him. And then all of these things that might show up on our table can get reprioritized. Paul had seven things, seven things that he listed that he found all of his hope and his confidence. Uh, He placed all of his pride and joy in all of those things. Right out of the gate, he says, for me, what was he confident about? For him, it was ritual. Maybe this is ritual for you. It's just like the calendar, the schedule, right? And it's good to show up to the places you said you're gonna show up. God even says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So if you tell someone yes, you're gonna be there, you should be there. But for you, everything comes down to this. Like, man, I, I'm like God's gift to the world because I'm never late. Okay, I abide by that five minutes is on time and on time is late motto. Like, that's just, I do not be, like being late. Like, this is a big deal for me. Ritual, make sure I'm doing and saying the right things all at the right time. That's what it was for Paul. Paul even says, I'm people of Israel. For him, this is like a racial thing for him. And it might not be a racial thing for you, but maybe it is. So maybe for you, when you look at yourself, man, you like what you see. You're like, man, I'm good. (laughs) And that's what you think that makes you better, right? If I can look the right way, do the right right things and all that stuff, then certainly, I mean, God's gonna be so lucky to have me. He said tribe of Benjamin, that's family. I mean, maybe you place your family on the table as the most important thing in your life, your greatest achievement, and, and that could be the very thing standing in the way of you truly knowing Jesus. And again, I'm not suggesting you, you get rid of your family. You need to reprioritize your family. God is always first. He is the best thing worth knowing. He is the best thing worth having. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. For him, I mean, this was his education. This was his upbringing. And I already threw away my diploma, so we'll throw away my wife's diploma as well. I'm sure she'll, she'll be thrilled about this. She's going to be so excited. You did what? Happy Mother's Day, babe. I love you so much. Uh, he said he was a Pharisee. So for him, I mean, this goes beyond just religion. This goes about like his profession and it's his job. So maybe it's like, it's just the success of life. Like that's what keeps you coming back to things and that's what you feel like makes you something just super special and super, super great. He said, as to zeal, a persecutor of, it's his cause. And there are a lot of great causes to be a part of, but if this is what you think makes you better is holding a sign and this is what makes you a better believer or better at following Jesus, this might, your cause, even if it's a good cause, might be standing in the way of you truly knowing Christ. Because it's become all about this and no longer about Jesus. And there's all sorts of things. I mean, maybe it's, uh, Paul says, as to the law, like blameless. I looked so, so good. Jesus used this illustration in the Gospels where he says, woe to you Pharisees, of which Paul was a Pharisee. He says, you clean the outside of the cup. Everything looks great on the outside, but on the inside, you're disgusting. You're gross. So maybe it's just maintaining the perfect like moral appearance all the time or maybe it's just your successes. Like, man, I'm just so good at that one thing and world's okay as boss. Like, I'm really, really awesome at doing that stuff. And, or it's your talents. Like, you look at the good things you bring to the table. Like, 
I'm just God's gift to the world. Yet again, I'm so confident in myself. I'm so confident in my abilities, so confident in my talents. But friends, we are the church. We confidence in who? We boast in who? Never self. We boast in what Christ and what Christ has done. We boast in who Jesus is. And if we're good at something in the first place, it's because God has made us good at that thing. And we rightly prioritize it. That doesn't go before Jesus. We have Jesus and then the other things. If it's keeping you from knowing Christ, it's gotta go out of the way. And, and these things can be distractions. There's certainly some deceptions in here, but when it comes to building God's church and building our faith, there's all sorts of, of just straight up destructions. And for some of you, alcohol has just destroyed you. And maybe it's not this, maybe it's something else. A different substance, a different addiction. And it's truly keeping you from knowing the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Or, I mean, you, I don't know what you did last night. Maybe this, this, is, this is your drug. Right, and when you're stressed out or you're lonely or you had a bad breakup, this is the stuff you turn to. It's the stuff you can see on your computer screen because you can control it and it feels good in the moment. There's things that are just destroying our relationship with Jesus. And this is what God says. He says, friend, if there's something keeping us from really knowing Jesus, it's got to go. It's got to go. And it might be a destructive thing like pornography. That, that needs to get buried in a landfill. It needs to be done. You need to be done with it. And there's, we'd love to help you figure that out. And maybe it's, it's your talents. This is what's most important to you in your life. And we can go right down the list. I, I, I know there's people here this morning who this is what it's become all about. Just more and more and more of the green stuff. As long as you can get more of the green stuff, then life is gonna be okay. And it's okay if I don't know Jesus because he's gonna forgive me and I'm successful and isn't that enough? And I, but I, there's this cause and I've got it, but it's keeping you from knowing Christ and I'm so educated, I don't need him anymore. But friends, you still need him and, and look at the way that I look. God is so lucky to have me and my skin is even the right skin color. Friends, it's keeping you from truly knowing Jesus and truly knowing Jesus' people. And maybe it's your schedule righteousness of always making sure you do the right thing at the right time and this is what you place your confidence in. Or maybe it's some type of addiction, something that's truly keeping you from knowing Jesus. Friends, if there's anything else that you would put on your table that's standing in the way of you you truly knowing Christ, it's got to go. Amen. It's got to go. And some of that means it's actually got to go. You've got to cut it out of your life. Now, I don't know about you, but in my life, I like to dumpster dive and go back for the stuff I've thrown out, right? Looks like I pulled it back out of the trash and I'm dealing with it again. What's on your table? Are you willing to take it out this morning? Are you willing this morning to truly come into a relationship with Jesus? I'm gonna invite the worship band out uh, as I close for just a moment. I'm not sure where you're at in your faith this morning, where you're at in your story. Um, maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, man, there's some stuff on my table that's been really devastating to me and I'm not quite sure what to do about it. We wanna help you. That's what we're here for. The church is like a hospital for the sick and the hurting. So if you're hurting this morning, let us help. There's a, a little connect card in the seat back in front of you. You can take that. You can fill it out and just check the appropriate box. You can check, I want to talk to someone 
about my life. Maybe I'm interested in discipleship mentoring. I need to find an accountability group. We have some great brothers who have gone before you. Men, if like the pornography thing is a struggle for you and you haven't been able to throw it out and when you do, you keep taking it back out of the trash, we want to talk with you so we can help. We would love to help you. Not because it's anything that we can say that we've done, but only not so we can boast in self, not so we can confidence in self, only so we can boast in and truly know the person of Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you um, for loving us. Thank you for giving us an opportunity this morning to take out the trash. God, it's something my mom has been asking me to do since I was able to take out the trash, was take out the trash. And yet again, she was right. God, whoever is here this morning and maybe feels you tugging on their heart and and feels you drawing uh, them into a relationship with you, um, Jesus, I, I just ask that they would do something. God, they'd fill out a connect card. They'd come talk to me afterwards. They would head back to Info Central and just say, man, I I need to take out the trash and I might need some help doing it. God, everything we do this morning is not for us. Everything we do, all of our confidence, everything we boast in is only for you and for your glory. Even now as we respond and worship, would we boast in who you are and what you've done? God, we love you. And all God's people said, amen. He's our living hope not the stuff we put on the table. We place our hope in Christ. We place our confidence in Christ. If we boast, church, who do we boast in? We boast in Christ. Maybe you're here this morning, you've known about Jesus for a while, but you'd like to know Jesus this morning. The Bible says to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You receive, you say, yes, Jesus, I want relationship with you. You believe in his name, that means you believed in what Christ came and did, that he came and lived a perfect life, that even though you and I try to live, we still fall short, we can't do it. He came and lived the perfect life. He came and died the death that you and I deserve to die, to pay the penalty for the consequences for our sin, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, came back to life, that in Christ, you and I may truly live. If that's you this morning, man, I'd love to talk to you. And if that's too much to handle, that's fine. Grab a card. You can fill that out. Drop it off in one of the boxes at the back. Uh, head out to Info Central and say, I just want to know more about knowing Jesus. Uh, friends, I'm not sure what, what's on your table. What's on your table this morning? I, I'd encourage you, uh, do some heart work. Do the hard work of heart work this morning and figure out what's sitting on the throne of your life. And if it's anything but Jesus, that treasure has got to get taken to the trash. Moms, the best thing you can give your kids is a personal relationship with Jesus. Would each of you walk with Christ this week? Would each of you treasure him more than the little treasures you have at home? Your grand treasures, your little kid treasures, your grown treasures, whatever they might be, would you treasure Christ the most this Mother's Day? Moms, we love you. We appreciate you. Happy Mother's Day. We'll see you guys next week.